Thank you for joining us today here at Victory. At Victory Church, we are a community of authentic, spirit-led Christ followers transformed to walk in victory. Join us as we begin today's message. We'll start this off with a little illustration. I'm using what I had at my house was a few Jenga pieces and a paper plate here. Hopefully this will get the point across. So often in our life, we set up different things that essentially act like pillars. It's things that we're, we're counting on and we're really putting our faith and our trust in to support us through thick and through thin, no, no matter what happens, that this thing will be there to support every other aspect of my life no matter what happens. And oftentimes it's pillars, like for example, it might be a pillar that represents money. And we think, you know what? No matter what happens in my life, if I've got money, then I'll be fulfilled. I'll be satisfied. If I've got money, I can, I can gain some happiness in my life. And, and we tell ourselves things like, you know what? I may not be able to spend time with my family or with my kids like I want to or like they want me to, but at least I can kind of buy them their happiness or I can buy their happiness from them. So if I've got my money, I've got this pillar set up in my life that will be able to support every other aspect of my life. And we set up other pillars, maybe an, another pillar that represents relationship. And it could be one relationship or, or it could be multiple relationships. Maybe it's, for example, a spouse. Like, like this person will, will be there through thick and through thin, no matter what. I can lean on this person no matter what happens in my life and they will always be there to support me. They will always be there to help me no matter what happens. And, and then sometimes it's things like maybe a job. If I just put everything I have into my job, I pour my, my focus, my attention, and even, you know, getting training and schooling. And if I just focus on my job and, and we become almost kind of like workaholics, but, but if, I, if I just focus all this time and this attention on my job, then that will get me through. That, that will help me and I'll, I'll feel good about myself. Other people will, you know, I'll look good for other people. So if I have that set up in my life, this pillar, that'll help support other aspects of my life as well. And then another one could be goals that we set up. Maybe if I, if I obtain these certain goals and really it's like success, if I achieve these goals, if I achieve certain levels of success, then that'll make me happy. That'll fulfill me. That'll bring me that gratification. That'll, that'll help me in life. And if this represents the rest of my life, we set these things up trusting that they will always be there to provide, they will always be there to support us and provide for us no matter what through thick and through thin. But what all of us know and what's happened to every single one of us multiple times in our lives is different things in our lives fail us. And so, for example, it might be our money. You know, maybe we, we set up money as a pillar. It's gonna be there for me. It'll, it'll help me, it'll buy me my happiness. It'll buy my family my ha their happiness. But then all of a sudden, you know, the money starts to fade away. Maybe the bills pile up and this money isn't bringing you the gratification, the satisfaction that you thought. Things are starting to get a little shaky and it gets worse and worse and worse. The money starts depleting more and more. The bills mount up and then this pillar that you've set up for money fails you. And it's no longer there to support you and it's a little shaky, but it's like, you know what? I got other things set up. It's okay. It's a little shaky, but you know, hey, hey, the money's gone, 
but my you know, relationship, and again, it could be other people or maybe one person, maybe it's like a spouse, this spouse or this friend, they're, they're still there, the money's gone and it can't support me, but I know this person, they will be there for me, they will never leave me, it's okay, I've got this person, so I'm just gonna focus on this person, they will support me, they'll be there no matter what, right? And then all of a sudden, this person fails you. And maybe it's a, a failure of some sort where they break trust or maybe they just abandon you and leave. And that pillar isn't there that you thought would be there through thick and through thin no matter what. And you're really starting to feel shaky and it's just like, man, it, it's just, it's so close to things crumbling, but you know what, it's okay. I've got these other things set up in my life. They're kind of like pillars. I, they're gonna be there for me. It's okay. You know, these other things abandoned me and they failed me, but you know what, I got my job. I'm gonna pour everything into my job. And if I pour everything into my job, then I won't be so depressed about this relationship, this person that, that left me and, and, and it give me something to do. And also if I pour into it, then, then I can increase the money again and get that flowing. And maybe this person will come back or I can replace them and it's okay. I'll pour everything I have into my job. And all of a sudden you go to work one day and then they tell you, hey, it's not anything you did, but we're having to cut back. And your name got called. And so you're gonna be one of the people that we have to let go. And then all of a sudden, that pillar that you thought would always be there for you no matter what, crumbles. And it feels like your whole life is just crumbling and falling to pieces. It's like this endless hole and you were just falling, 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 like free falling with no safety net, it feels like, to catch you whatsoever. Because it feels like these things have failed you. And there's all kinds of different pillars that we set up in our life to support us, thinking they're gonna, trusting that they're gonna be there, they're gonna support us no matter what, through thick and through thin. But one of the biggest pillars that we try to set up in our lives, trusting that it's gonna be there. And when it falls, it is catastrophic, but it's this huge pillar that we trust, that we, we lean on more than most any other pillar in our life. And it could be one giant pillar or several of them. And it represents validation. It's this validation or this sense of like acceptance to get this acceptance from this person or from these things or the sense of belonging, this sense that I measure up, that I'm good enough or that, that I belong. And again, it could be one giant one or a lot of times it's multiple ones and we set these pillars up like trying to find our validation, that acceptance, the sense of belonging in these things. But just like all the other pillars in life, what happens is so often they fail us. Time and time and time again. That's why it's so important when it comes to validation to understand that true validation can only be found in Christ. That's our big idea today. True validation can only be found in Christ. And what happens is when we start to find our validation in Christ alone, he acts like this giant pillar he's this giant pillar in our life that will always be there no matter what no matter what happens in our life even when other things fail us even when other people leave or that job that you thought would always be there it, it, it's gone no matter what happens in your life as other things start to fail you he never will he will always be right there beside you supporting you every single step of the way let's pray Father, I thank you so much 
for the gospel. I thank you for your son, Jesus, for what you've done for us on the cross, Jesus, to buy us not only our salvation and our freedom, but to fill us in every aspect of our life, to give us that validation, that acceptance, that sense of belonging that we long for, and more than that, that we need so desperately. I thank you so much that that can be found in you, Jesus, that you fill that in our life. And I pray that you help us to see that you are the only one that can fill that, that gaping hole in our life that every single one of us needs, that core need that we have. I pray that you open our eyes and, and help us in this process of just leaning into you, trusting in you alone for that validation. I pray that if there's anybody here today that has never responded to your gospel, has never responded to you, Jesus, has never been saved, I pray that you would open their eyes in response to your grace right here, right now. I pray that you would perform that miracle that only you can do. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just work on their hearts, work on their minds, and perform that miracle in their life. And I pray for all of us, that the rest of us that are your followers as we pray every week, I pray that you would make us and mold us that when we leave here today that we don't leave here the same, that we leave here changed, we leave here transformed, that we remember that we're not supposed to stay in the same place. The gospel isn't just about you dying on the cross and us receiving the salvation then, but it's also about us continually being formed and made more and more into your image. And I pray that you help us to do that today. And I pray that you help us, I pray that you help me to find our validation even more in you. Teach us what that means. Teach us how to do this. And, and I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to step out in faith and to trust you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you take over this service, take over this message, work on our hearts. I pray all this in your name, Jesus. We thank you and love you. Amen. So when it comes to, um, to finding validation in Christ alone, there's a guy named... Um, there's a guy named Paul. He's one of the greatest evangelists ever. Honestly, I, I, I personally think he's the greatest evangelist that ever lived, the Apostle Paul. And this guy knew more about finding validation in Christ alone than possibly any other person that, that ever lived. And so what we're gonna do as we're talking about this topic of validation and finding our validation in Christ, we're gonna lean on Paul for a moment on some of his words in Colossians. So um, if you would go, to, go with me to Colossians chapter two, we're gonna have it up here on the screen. Colossians 2, starting with verse 8. We're going to be skipping around, just kind of a heads up. We'll be skipping around a little bit today. We're going to start with Colossians 2. We're going to end with Colossians 2, and we'll have some ground in the middle to cover as well. So if there's, if you can't really keep up with the text, that will be up on the screen. So Colossians 2, uh, starting with verse 8. This is Paul speaking. He says, Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, catch this last part, rather than Christ, rather than Christ. And as we read this, don't, don't miss those, those first words there, be careful, right? Because it's kind of these opening words and what he's doing is he's intentionally trying to like draw us in, pull us in as if to say, hey, hey, listen, like your ears should be perking up, you should be focusing in because what I'm about to say to you is important. Don't miss what I'm about to say. Okay, and, and if we think about this, if we're going to take that seriously, like if we're actually going to follow through with being careful with what he's about to say, and we'll dive into that in a moment, but if we're going to do that, practically speaking, it requires a couple things for, of us first. Like first, we have to take it seriously 
but then we also have to be watchful, right? And we have to be alert. Because if you're going to be careful about something, then you've got to be watchful. You've got to know what's going on around you, right? And so just like very simplistically, very just practically thinking about this, if you were to tell me, David, hey, when you go up on that stage, or now I'm here, be careful, right? Just be careful while you're up on that stage. And if I don't really listen, I'm just kind of like halfway, you know, listen, like, yeah, yeah, sure, okay, cool, whatever, whatever. And I'm walking around, which, by the way, if you don't know, I, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but I walk like a mile, like, whenever I talk and preach. I don't know why, it's just instinctive, I just do it. So anyways, I walk a lot. And so if you tell me, hey, be careful while you're up on that stage, I don't really listen, I don't take it seriously, I'm not really being watchful, I'm not being alert, and then I keep on walking. If I keep on walking over this way, what's going to happen if I'm not paying attention? I'm going to fall down, and I'm going to hit this concrete floor, man, and I'm going to bust my head along with my pride, right? I'm going to embarrass the heck out of myself. And so what Paul's trying to get at is like, look, look, be careful. Like, take this seriously. Be watchful. Be alert. Because if you don't, what's going to happen is you are going to fall. And it's not just going to be your head or your pride that gets hurt. It's going to be every aspect of your life, including the other people's lives around us. That's why he's essentially pleading with us from the beginning, trying to draw our attention, saying, hey, look, look, listen up, because what I'm about to say is important. Be careful. Be alert. He says that no one takes you captive. That no one takes you captive. So in other words, practically speaking, what he's saying is that be careful, be alert, take this seriously, because there are literally things and there are people out there catch this, that want to enslave you, that want to enslave you. And that's what he means when he's saying this word captive. They want to enslave you. And here's how he he tells us, through philosophy and empty deceit, based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, that catch that last part, rather than Christ. And so he separates, he talks about all these different things, then he says, rather than Christ. And so if we kind of flesh this out a little bit, just to to help us understand what he's talking about here, he's essentially saying this, like, don't get so tangled up in anything in life, no matter what it is, relationship, it could be your job, it could be money, don't get so tangled up in anything in life to the point where it starts to take the place of Christ in your life. And so practically, this is kind of what that means. Be careful what you listen to and who you listen to. Be careful what you read. Be careful what you take in. Be careful the kind of things like mindsets even that you start to take on. And and, and another practical example of this is like, be careful the kind of advice you take. And this is a big one because we are so vulnerable when it comes to advice from other people sometimes, especially if it's people that we kind of hold in high esteem. And and maybe it's a, a friend or a loved one, or, or maybe it's a teacher, or it could even be like a preacher, maybe somebody you listen to, or a, a motivational speaker. And what happens is so often we are so quick to like take advice from other people, especially if it's like, oh, that person said that. So that's got to be true. And we almost, we look at it and we frame it in our minds as if what they said is like gospel truth. But what we, we have to be careful of, we have to like take our time and be careful, like Paul is saying, because a lot of times, not all the times, but a lot of times, what happens is if we don't take the time to listen to what they're saying, we're going to start going down this path. And if we took the time to actually listen to it, one of two things would happen sometimes. 
One, it could either be so superficial that the advice literally does nothing for you. It's just like fluff. And it's just like worded really well. It sounds great, but it's just like nothing is there. And then we start framing our, our life around this and it's like nothing is even gonna happen. Or, or it could be so dangerous that if you took that advice, it will literally destroy your life. So Paul says, be careful. Be careful with that. Another practical example of this would be the kind of mindsets that we take on. And a mindset, it's almost like this worldview or the lens that we kind of see the world around us through like the people in the world around us. And, and everything that, that we see starts being filtered through that lens, the way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we, we operate, it's all filtered through that lens. And we have to be so, so careful with this. One, one practical example of this in today's culture, in today's world, especially kind of Western culture in the United States, is this kind of idea, this mindset of like hedonism. It's like this very hedonistic idea. And, and just, just kind of in a nutshell, if you don't know what that is, hedonism, it's kind of this idea that, you know, I just need to make myself happy. I need to do what's going to bring me happiness, what's going to bring me gratification. So let me ask you this. Has anybody ever heard this phrase before? Um, do what makes you happy or be whatever makes you happy. You ever heard that before? I think we all have, right? Okay. And, 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 and not only have we heard this, like from other people, but you can, you read it, you see it. It's even like in kids shows a lot of times now too. But I was just like this idea, like just do whatever makes you happy, be whatever makes you happy. And this is where it gets dangerous. It's like this idea that do whatever makes you happy regardless of anything else, regardless of of anybody else, regardless of what they say, what they do, even regardless of your future. Don't even worry about it. Just do what makes you happy in the moment. But here's one of the many things that's dangerous of that. If we start to do that, if we start to just, you know, filter everything through that mindset, I'm going to do whatever makes me happy, that, that self-gratification all the time in the moment, what makes me happy. It doesn't take very long until, catch this, what makes me happy starts to con and contradict what makes you happy and you happy and you happy you happy because we're different people and so what happens is rather than trying to follow this mindset this like hedonistic mindset and again I'm talking about this because this is a practical example of what he's talking about but this is actually something that has infiltrated our society it really has and so if we start to follow that mindset instead of leading to happiness what it does is it leads to conflict it leads to conflict in our workplaces and our relationships with friends because we're constantly trying to gratify ourselves, makes our, ourselves happy. So rather than leading to happiness, in the end what it does is it actually leads us to become very lonely, either to the point to where there's like nobody else around us or there may be other people around us, but they're just very superficial relationships. They're not deep. They're not like really deep and loving because the only person that we truly deeply love is ourselves. So even if we are surrounded by people, it's very just superficial. And then it also leads us to become miserable. It's just fluff. That's why Paul says, be careful. Be careful. That no one takes you captive. And see too, what happens is we start to give these things in our life, we start to give them so much attention. When we give these things attention in our life, kind of like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, 
when you get distracted, what happens is they start to take the place of Christ in your life. In other words, they start to become an idol in your life, that everything else in your life completely revolves around. Everything else that is dependent on this one thing in your life. For example, that hedonistic mindset where everything else revolves around what makes you happy, what brings you gratification. And you see, at first what they do is they give us this illusion that they're going to gratify us, right? That they're going to bring us happiness, that they're going to fulfill us, that they're going to, you know, they're going to satisfy us. It's almost like a pillar in your life that you're trusting is going to be there, is going to support you no matter what through thick and through thin. But that's all that they are is illusions. Like, like in other words, it's like kind of like grabbing at air. It's like grabbing at anything at all that just seems tangible. Like I'm just going to hold on to this, this person, this job, this thing, this, you know, money, or maybe it's even drugs or alcohol, whatever. And it's going to bring me that satisfaction, that fulfillment. It's going to fill that void in my life. But what they do, because it's only illusion, it's just a deception. It can't actually fill that void in your life. All it does is it does the opposite. Instead of filling you, it completely drains you. It drains you dry, it sucks you down into this pit and it drains more and more and more and more from you. Instead of being filled, you are completely depleted and empty. And, and one of the, the biggest delusions that we chase in life, it's, it's almost like one of the ultimate deceptions, is this idea that we can somehow find our acceptance and our sense of belonging, our worth, in other things, and in other people apart from Jesus. That's one of the biggest delusions, the biggest deceptions and lies that we chase, that we follow in our life. And it kind of leads us down this path of, of what's called like people-pleasing, trying to gain approval from other people. So what I want us to do, I want to take a moment to look at what the Apostle Paul, the same guy that wrote Colossians, what he had to say about this. is going to be a different letter, though, Galatians uh, chapter 1, verse 10, he says this, For am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? And catch this last part. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Let me read that last part again. He says, If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And I want to make sure, too, before we go on, I want to make sure that we understand when I'm talking about people-pleasing, and more specifically when Paul is talking about people-pleasing, he's not talking about, like, serving other people and loving other people, okay? That's something completely different. In fact, if we went there, that would completely contradict Jesus' new commandment to love one another as I have loved you, right, which is sacrificial love. He's not talking about that. What he's talking about here with pleasing people, he's talking about trying to gain approval from people. He's trying, it's this idea, if you can picture in your mind, like trying to essentially suck approval out of people, almost like attaching yourself to them like a leech, trying to suck this approval, this validation out of them. So you can fill this gaping hole in your life. It's like clinging to them, almost like a life raft. Like I need you to support me. And if you don't support me, then I'm just gonna fall. So you're just hanging on them and just, sucking them dry see Paul understood that his approval didn't come from other people but not only does his approval his approval not come from other people it it couldn't come 
from other people. And another way of saying this is Paul understood that his validation didn't and couldn't come from other people. That word validation, we talked about that before at the beginning. It just means getting your acceptance, your affirmation, that sense of, of belonging. And so practically, if you, if you feel validated, what that means is you feel accepted in your life. You feel like you belong. You feel like you measure up. You feel like you're good enough. And if you don't feel validated, it's the complete opposite. You don't feel like you're accepted. You don't feel like you belong. You don't feel like you're valuable, like you are worth nothing. And it leaves you with this gaping hole in your life. And that's the reason that we spend a lot of our lives, a lot of us, trying to seek this approval, suck this approval from other people, trying to fill that gaping hole in our lives so we can get our sense of value, our sense of worth, our sense of satisfaction, fulfillment from other people. And we jump through hoops trying to gain this approval. And the thing is, too, we have to understand that this is a core need. Like, validation is a core need. This isn't something that, that doesn't exist. It's not something we can just sweep under the rug, pretend like it doesn't matter, that it doesn't exist. It's a core need that every single one of us have. And it is something that needs to be filled in our life. The only problem is when we start to try and find our validation, that sense of acceptance, that sense of belonging, that sense of value and self-worth in other people, what the problem with that is it is impossible. Like, it is 100% possible. You cannot do it. You can't do it, and neither can I. Like, think about this. You'd have to be a perfect person. You'd have to be a perfect worker. You'd have to be a perfect parent, a perfect uh, a spouse, in order to gain perfect approval from other people, to gain perfect validation from other people. It's completely impossible. I mean, the bottom line is, it is impossible to meet the world's standards. We cannot gain perfect validation as imperfect people. But then even more than that, if you think about it, if we're trying to gain perfect validation, acceptance, the sense of belonging, the sense of you know, worth and self-worth from other people, think about the world around us. Think about the other people that we try to gain this approval from to fill this void in our life. Not only are we imperfect people trying to get perfect validation from you know, other, other people by gaining it through our works, but we're also looking to other imperfect people in an imperfect world to give us perfect validation. In other words, we are looking at other people in the world around us to give us something that it can never deliver. It, it can never deliver. Something that we have to keep in mind is the fact that, that we all fail. At some point in our life, we will all fail. And, and it's not just at some point, meaning like in the future, it's every single day if we're honest with ourselves. I mean, even like this morning, if you think about it, and even as I think about it, there's several different ways that I have failed in my life, even this morning, every single day we will fail. And what happens is as we fail in our life, we're trying to gain this approval from other people. What it does is instead of filling us, it depletes us and it pushes us down further and further. It, it gives us this feeling like we're, all, we're, we're back to square one, trying to find this validation, trying to find this acceptance like we don't measure up because we're all the time failing. Maybe we're doing well in this area, but then we fell in this area. And we're constantly trying to gain this approval. But here's the thing. Nothing in the world will ever be able to fill that void in your life 
that screams for validation. Nothing in this world. And the truth is, and this is something that we have to understand, it was never meant to. It was never meant to. The people that you have looked at in your life, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a mentor or a coworker, or maybe it's things like a job or money or, or power, whatever, goals in life, they were never meant to give you that validation. They were never meant to, to give you that acceptance that you long for, to, to give you that self-worth, that value that you long for and that you need. And the only way that we can find the validation that every single one of us longs for, that every single one of us, us needs, is to go to the place and really the person, the only person that can give it to us which is the one that created us in the first place. And so if you think about this practically speaking, if we were created a certain way for a certain purpose, then we will never fully feel satisfied. We will never feel accepted. We will never feel like we belong. We will never feel like we are worth anything. We will always feel off unless we understand how we were created, how we were originally designed and meant to operate in the first place. And just a really kind of simplistic but practical example of this, and there's kind of parallels with this, so just kind of hang with me. If you think about like a car, so you think about like an engine in a car, for example. If an engine in a car is trying to act like a transmission, what's gonna happen? It's not gonna operate effectively, right? It, it is going to be off. No matter how hard it tries, it will never be able to operate effectively. It will always be off. It will always be less than, no matter what it does and no matter what you do. You could even try to dress it up, trying to make it look the part and act the part, everything you could possibly think of. But that engine, no matter what it does, it will never be able to function like a transmission. Why? Because it wasn't created to function that way. It was never meant, it was never designed to function in that way. And the parallel is, the similarity is, guys, if we're created a certain way for a certain purpose, what we have to understand is if we go against the grain, the fabric of the DNA, essentially, that we were created and designed, intended to operate, then all that will ever do is leave us depleted, leave us feeling empty, leave us feeling less than, like we are not worthy, we're not accepted as though we don't belong and something is off. And so what I want us to do for just a moment, we're going we're gonna to jump into a time machine here for a second, and we're going to go back in time. I want to I go all the way back to the beginning so that we can actually see how we were designed, how we were created to be from the very beginning, our Genesis, so to speak. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says, so God created man. So God created a man. So just, okay, very simplistic. Back to the beginning. Now we know who created us, God, right? And we also know from other texts, God didn't just create us. He created the entire universe and everything in it. And he sustains the universe and everything in it. But then we still have this, this question like, okay, God created us, but how did he create us? How did he design us? How did he intend for us to be when he created us? Check out what it says. It says, in his own image. In his own image. He created him, talking about mankind, in the image of God. He created them male and female. Okay, so first off, no mystery who created us. God created us. But then also it tells us how he created us. He created us in his image. The imago Dei, the image of God, in the likeness of God. 
So first off, that does not mean, okay, that you are a carbon copy of God, okay? So in other words, don't try to like breathe life into existence or speak life into existence. You can't do that. That doesn't mean that you're all powerful or all knowing or anything like that. Only he's God, we aren't. What that means though, the fact that we're created in the image and the likeness of God is that we share certain characteristics with God. And so if we think about this, God is loving, right? And so we are created the same way. We are created to be loving. God is merciful. We're created to be merciful. God is gracious. We're created to be gracious. God is compassionate. God is forgiving. And so that's the way that we were originally, some basic examples of the way that we were originally designed, created to be from the beginning. And so what happens is when we operate in the complete opposite way, when we are unloving, when we are ungracious, when we are unforgiving, when we are, when we are self-centered rather than others-focused, we are operating in a completely different way, contradicting the way that we were originally designed and created to be. And when we do that, we are going against the fabric, the grain of essentially the way that we were designed to be, the DNA of how God created to be from the beginning. And so what happens is it leads us down this pit feeling less than, feeling unworthy, feeling broken, like we're not valuable, feeling like something is horribly wrong. And the reason we feel like that is because something is horribly wrong. It's Again, it's like an engine trying to be a transmission. It won't work. It's not meant to work. And what this does is it leads us down this never-ending, never-fulfilling game trying to constantly find something to fill that void in our life, trying to find the acceptance, trying to find that sense of self-worth, trying to find that sense that we belong in life, that validation in life. But here's the thing, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, here's what God says to you. And I want you, I want you to listen to this. If you're a Christian here today, listen to what this says. This is Jeremiah 1, verse five. He says, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. And and when I read this, what I want you to do is put your name there. I chose you, whatever your name is, before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. And then check out, I wanna check out something the apostle John says. He's another guy, he was was somebody that was so close, had such an intimate relationship with Jesus, a follower of Jesus. He says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, he says, See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called, check this out, God's children. And we are. Guys, hear me on this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that means that you have been marked by his blood. You've been bought with a price. You have been redeemed by his grace. And you've been adopted into his family. Every single one of us as followers of Jesus Christ are children of God. Every single one of us. And for all the parents in the room, you know what I'm about to say. You understand this. That no matter what our kids do, I'm thinking about like my two-year-old son. Like no matter what he does, he can throw temper tantrums. He can, you know, yell at times and scream and say no. That is a big thing that we're on right now is no, no, no. He can even, um, you know, blame me for something or, you know, get mad, whatever. But something, a couple of things that he can never do. He can never take away the love that I have for him. And he can never take away the fact that he belongs to me, that he is my little boy. And my little girl is my little girl that I love without measure. 
And guys, the same thing is true only exponentially more. The fact that no matter what happens, when you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, not perfect, but honestly following in the footsteps of Jesus, your eyes have been open to his grace. No matter what happens, you, even through the temper tantrums, even at times when you don't, when you disobey, when you blame God, even at times, and you, when you fail, there's all kinds of things that can happen in our life, but a couple things that you can never do, you don't have the power to do, nobody else in this world has the power to, the, the, the whole world itself doesn't have the power to take away the love that God has for you. And the fact that you belong to him, that you are his little boy or his little girl that he loves without measure. And check out um, what another, another one of Jesus' closest followers named Peter said. This is the apostle Peter. He said, this is what it means to be a child of God. First Peter 2, verse 9, he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And there, there's so many things that Peter's going for here. There's so, many, there's so much depth to this. We could pick this apart for a while, but just kind of practically and, and, and just in a nutshell, I want to skim over what Peter is, is talking about here. First of all, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and you've been adopted into his family, that means you are a child of God. And as a child of God, what Peter is saying is, first of all, you are individually chosen. Every single one of you, as a, as a, as a follower of Jesus, as a child of God, is individually chosen chosen by God. He also says that you are royal. He says that you're holy, which means that you are set apart. In other words, that you have been given a higher calling that's much more meaningful than anything that the world could ever give you. And then something else that Peter tells us is that you are his possession. Practically speaking, that means that you are valuable to him. You are cherished and you are valuable to God. You are loved by God. But not only are you loved by God, when he looks at you, he looks at you in love, but he also looks at you in pride. Because then you are his little boy or his little girl that he loves without measure. Nothing, guys, hear me on this. Nothing in this life can ever make you feel like you're good enough. It will never make you feel like you belong. It'll never make you feel like you're accepted except for the one that created you. And when you run to his arms, he will give you, he will fill you, he will give you all the acceptance, all the validation, all the fulfillment, the satisfaction that you could ever need and so much more because you are more valuable and you are more cherished and loved by him than anything else in the entire universe. You individually are more cherished and valued and loved by him than anything else in the entire universe. And I want to end with Paul's words. This is Colossians. Um, we're going to pick up where we left off. Colossians 2, verse 9. It says, For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. This is a fancy way of saying Jesus is God. Okay? Jesus is God. And you have been filled by him, who is the head over every ruler and every authority. Skip to verse 12. It says, When you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith and the working of God, who raised him from the dead, and when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. 
In other words, when you belong to Jesus, there is no area, no aspect of your life that is unmarked by him and that is not filled by him. Hear me on this. In Christ, we are 100% loved, we're 100% free, we're 100% accepted, and you can find 100% of the validation that you not only long for, but that you need. What we have to understand is Jesus didn't just die to save us. He died to free us and he died to fill us. And not just some aspects of our life, but every single aspect of our life. True validation can only be found in Christ. And when you lean on Jesus Christ alone for your validation, he's a pillar that will always be there to support you, no matter what. Even when everything else in life crumbles around you, he will always be there supporting you every step of the way. Worship team, you guys can come on up. If you're here today and you're somebody that's never responded to the gospel, and maybe some of this stuff is, it's like, man, I, I'm not sure exactly what you're talking about with this validation in Christ, then then I want to tell you, man, something that we say all the time here is Jesus Christ will meet you where you're at and he will save you right where you're at. All it takes is just a step, just a step in his direction. He's done the work for you. All that he asks is that you take that step, that leap of faith towards him, and he will catch you right there. And he will fill every aspect of your life. He'll give you that satisfaction, that fulfillment that you're longing for. And so if you're here today, if you've never taken that initial step to follow Jesus, that, that I want to encourage you, don't wait. He loves you so much. Again, he'll meet you where you're at, and he will save you right where you're at. And if you're somebody that is a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been following him for several years, but maybe there's been a time where you've drifted, or maybe there's certain areas in your life where you're not really leaning into him, you're not really trusting him, you're not really finding your satisfaction, your validation, your acceptance in him, then I want to encourage you, please take that leap of faith today. Trust him. All these other things in life like we've been talking about, they will fail you. They'll fail you time and time again. And that's why we have this, this empty feeling, this void in our lives. But when you trust Jesus, he'll fill that void in your life and it will never be empty. I'll not only fill you, but you'll be overflowing. So no matter what God is calling you to do, however he's calling you to respond, I want to encourage you as we stand together, we're going to go ahead and stand and we'll sing together. And whatever God is putting on your heart as we sing, you respond. Guys, first off, I just want to say thank you for joining us today for the sermon. And uh, whether you're somebody that's come to our church or you're somebody that lives locally, you go to another church, maybe you don't even live here. Um, I, just want, I just want to say first and foremost, thank you for joining us. And uh, I, I want to encourage you to, to respond in some way today because, you know, when we hear a sermon, when we read the Bible, when we, um, whatever it may, may be, the point of that is, um, for God to speak to us in some way, shape, or form. And so if you are a Christian, um, you've been a seasoned Christian, you know the Lord already, then the way that we can respond is just by, you know, asking Him, God, what do you want me to do with the convictions that you're giving me uh, based on this sermon, the way that you're speaking to me, what do you want me to do? And then respond to that. Maybe it's an area of your life that you've been holding on to um, and, and you haven't been giving it to Him. 
And I want to encourage you to give that to Him and step out in faith. Or maybe if it's um, you know, some unbelief that you've had and, and God has really convicted you of some things. Um, you know, whatever it may be for you, it's different for everyone. I want to encourage you to respond to God and, and step in His direction. And, and the other thing too is if, if you are somebody that maybe you've listened to this and you've never responded to that gospel message, you've never been, been impacted by that gospel message, but now something is happening, God is kind of stirring in your heart and in your mind a little bit, then I want to encourage you to step out in faith, respond to that gospel message. And throughout the book of Acts, um, Acts tells us our history as a church. Uh, it shows us that you know, what that response looks like. So number one is to repent. And this word repent, all that means is just to turn from, you know, our sinful ways, our sinful desires, you know, turn from making ourself God and all these other things in life, God, and turn to God and just give Him our life. Um, and, and then on top of that response, after the repentance, there comes something else. It's called baptism. And, and baptism is so key. It's so important. It's seen all throughout um, that book and Acts and, and the importance and significance of it. Um, it's this symbol of death to the old self and, and then um, birth to uh, this new life in Christ. And we're, 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 uh, we die with Christ to the old self and we are raised with Christ to, to walk in this new life. And it's a command from Jesus. So I want to encourage you, if you have made that commitment to Christ, if you have stepped out uh, and you are wanting to follow Christ, then I want to encourage you to take that next step and be baptized somewhere. Whether it's if you have a local church that you want to go be baptized at, I encourage you to do that. Um, if you don't have a church, we would love to be able to celebrate that with you um, here. But I encourage you first and foremost to do that, to, to talk with someone, um, to get counsel on what this means, to seek discipleship as well. So. Uh, I encourage you to do those things. We would love to talk with you. We are praying for you. I want you to know that you are loved and you are prayed for. So if you're ready to take that next step in your relationship with Christ, um, and if you want to take that next step with us, then we, are, we, we would welcome you with open arms. And so there's some links that we're going to provide below for you. Uh, please check that out. Um, and again, if you, if you have any prayer requests, um, please contact us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. And we're excited about taking this next step with you.